0: Welcome to the Positive Solutions for Life podcast. I'm Peggy Meyer, and I'm so excited you are here. In this and future episodes released on Fridays of each week, you will hear from other entrepreneurs, creators, and personal growth leaders through interviews and summaries of personal development books, strategies, tools, and ideas that can help you transform your mind and body from the inside out so you can truly, truly live the life you desire. Welcome to the podcast, Jason Hagland. Jason is a fifth generation farmer who has additionally cultivated his expertise through two decades of leading and navigating behavioral health organizations. Highlighting the rural realities, Jason's ability to navigate complex systems and connect with individuals has made him a trusted resource in the field. So welcome to the podcast, Jason.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited about our conversation. I just want to let the listeners know that I was introduced to you through our mutual friend, Renee Schulte. And we can just talk about what you guys are doing too in maybe this few minutes. And we also have other few things in common, such as farming, a year fifth generation. I didn't grow up on one, but uh, introduced through uncles, through farming, and then married a farmer. And we've been farming for, I don't know, almost three decades now. Well, at least I have. He's been doing it his whole life. But um, And we also work um, in the behavioral health field. I was a mental health therapist for about 20 years. So I'm really excited to see where our conversation goes. But before... I am too,
1: because it could go, it could go anywhere, right? Oh,
0: oh yeah. There's, there's, there's so many topics out there. We'll we'll try to stay kind of on a general path, but you never know. So before we dive too much into the conversation, I just first want to give the listeners just a little bit more about you. So can you share a little bit more about who you are and how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, like many people, it's not a straight path, right? It kind of winds around a whole lot of different places. And so although I grew up on a farm, was in 4-H, you know, took pigs to the county fair every year and, you know, for most of my life helped helped my dad on the farm coming home from college and grad school and you know, sneaking out after work on Friday night to go combine. Most of my life, I didn't go to school to be a farmer. Like you said, I, I you know, I've mm-hmm. got a graduate degree in counseling psychology. I'm a substance abuse counselor by trade. And so, like many farmers who have, mul- who are in multi generational farms, not everyone sets out to do that. It kind of came back later in life for me um, through through a succession planning um, of some things we had to do in our family to decide what we were going to do with that farming Mm -hmm. tradition. And so my career was behavioral health, like you said, um, managing clinics and, and outpatient treatment facilities, working with kids um, you know, and adults through those difficult times doing disaster response work, um, and then I started migrating to working with individuals in agriculture, um, and, and really focusing in on those areas, and lo and behold, here I am eight years into farming with my brother-in-law, um, on our fifth generation farm, the same farm my ancestors settled on in 1886 when they came to this country as Swedish-speaking Finns. So that's kind of an odd path, wouldn't you say?
0: I, I would say it's not general. You know, maybe it is a general way of farmers these days getting there, especially if it's been in the family, but not in a direct path, but that's okay. But I bet so much of your experiences, you know, can help you on the farm and also relating to other people. So, as a fifth generation farmer who has spent decades in the behavioral health system, how would you describe the mindset of rural America?
1: Yeah, you know, and that's been really interesting, especially after the last few years, because when we think about um, disaster and disaster response, you know, I, I've done work with FEMA, um, you know, and I've been to the floods. I've I've responded firsthand when those derechos came through our state. I've done follow-up after tornadoes. Um, and the resilience of rural America, you know, I think of farmers and ranchers and everything they go through. But I think it's been really highlighted over the last couple of years, as we've all struggled with supply chain issues, um, just the extreme weather events that have made so much more stress, um, you know, in all of our operations across the board. And so, you know, as, as we look at that resilience and we talk more about burnout, it makes me think a lot about are farmers who who don't have a choice right if you're a dairy farmer you're out milking the cows whether or not you have you whether or not your employees show up or not mm-hmm. um and so in some of these occupations you don't have a you don't get to burn out but it's still real right we're under this chronic ongoing stress and so i've been talking a lot with folks about what are we doing for our rural communities to help support the people who live there
0: So going off of that, like, how do we support them? I mean, can you give us a couple things, a couple, one or two tips, maybe? Because we got resilience in there. That's great. That's a great word. But the struggle, you know, that we all face, no matter if we are in the farming industry or not, we're all impacted by how the farmers do. So what are are two or three things that maybe can help people through or get to that resilience piece where they can get get over the struggle?
1: Well, the first thing we have to do is talk about it, you know, and that's something I'm out doing all the time is having conversations because we haven't always talked about our emotional Mm well-being in rural areas, right? It's been that taboo topic of you know you you can't show that you might you might have something going on um and that's been unfortunate because a lot of times we, we've hidden things in families whether it's addiction or depression or anxiety um and we now know how common all of those things are and it's a disease just like a physical health disease um and so as as especially now as younger generations push us to talk about it more um some of the older generations and parents and grandparents have to get comfortable talking about that Um, Some of those difficult topics and so I think you know when we think about what we can do more of is talk openly about it. Um, Talk within our communities about how can we support those around us that we know may be struggling and and not make it shameful, but Mm -hmm. make it an embracing conversation.
0: Yeah. What would people what would you suggest people actually start talking and you said you know emotional well-being, you know depression I mean sometimes those are like hard things to even start so where do people start the conversation?
1: yeah and you know unfortunately in the work I do, I do a lot of trainings I do a lot of the disaster work and sometimes people don't start the conversation until after a tragedy okay. um you know and so I always to, you know, talk to people about, would you rather say depression or would you rather talk to someone after a suicide? Um, because let's be honest, um, egg-related um, industries and construction are two of the highest suicide rates in our country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to talk about those those difficult things. And we see tragedies in our own state right now as we think about um, mental health and suicide and, and the conversations in every community um, especially rural communities, need to have around those issues. And so, you know, a lot of times it just comes with education, right? Mm-hmm. If we really understand um, stigma and we start to openly talk about, you know, these are our own barriers of why we don't talk about it. Um, and in every room I've been, people come up to me afterwards and say, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I've been experiencing that. My kids have experienced that, um, you know, but we didn't think we could talk to anybody about it. Well, lo and behold, their neighbors were experiencing the same things, but no one was talking about it.
0: Right, right. There's so many resources out there, and especially these days, it's it's a little bit more openly talked about. I know that I've been to numerous farm conferences, and the I can't believe the number of times when there's a topic about stress or the mental health of the, the farmers or the the people that are the, the family around there, that those rooms are just packed. And so maybe depression is a hard word to even start with, but I feel like if we're talking about stress, it's a little bit easier to get the conversation going. Could I be wrong?
1: Sometimes, sometimes it waters it down, and so yeah. I always push back and say, "Let's just get to the heart of the issue." And you know, for the first time, um, rural healthcare—a um, study's done every year of what are the top needs of rural communities, and it's always been healthcare. Right? It's always, do we have a local hospital? Do we have a local emergency room to go to? You know, Iowa has 85 critical access hospitals. Um, all across our state because we feel safety, knowing there's some place to go. For the first year, this year, um, those small communities said, we need access to substance use treatment and mental health treatment, even more so than just regular health care. And so that's never happened before. So we're really hearing people talk about it more and say, we need access um, in a way that we've never seen.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to see how the hospitals are bringing in behavioral health and mental health care in the hospital setting or in the clinic setting. I just know here in Nebraska, in my small area, the there, our, our hospital here in town has grown from zero behavioral health to two or three. And the neighboring communities as well are now voicing that they have mental health providers, on staff in there for people to regularly see. So that is a good thing. That is a really good thing.
1: It Go is absolutely a great thing. And you know, when you think about those rural hospitals, they face a lot of challenges, right? And so I'm, I'm luckily doing some work over in Nebraska right now where we're helping your system along mm-hmm. um, in developing the resources they need to make sure they can meet everyone's needs. And I think that's the hard thing when we look at rural um, and frontier areas mm-hmm. is that, Telehealth, we have to think about other ways to connect. I saw a great um, online resource um, today that connects farmers with other farmers to support them. I think it was in Mm -hmm. Wallace's Farmer today. Um, And so that's when you know I'm a fifth generation farmer. When I'm quoting successful farming in Wallace's Farmer, um, then you know I've crossed over, right? (laughs)
0: Well, don't worry. I just, sorry, I just cleaned up the clutter in my house by getting rid of the last two months worth of successful farmer, top producer, you know, all of those farm magazines that come at the beginning of the month. I had a pile about two feet high. So I decided it was time. It was starting to slide off the windowsill. So you talked about burnout and how farmers don't get that opportunity. I mean, the cows still need to be milked, The pigs still need to be fed. Like There's chores to do every day, whether or not we feel like it, we want to get out of bed or our help shows up or not. Can you talk into burnout just a little bit more and how they can work through that on their business or anyone can?
1: Yeah. You know, and I think we're at it. We're at a tipping point right now. You know, older generations have been kind of all that. Well, you're going stuff up your bootstraps. We just mm-hmm. have to go do it. Um, generation younger generations are a little better about setting boundaries. You know, I have to say that my own kids are smarter than I was um, because they're able to say, you know what, you're paying me for 40 hours. I think I'm only going to work for 40 hours. Um, you know, I don't. That wasn't pay- an option when we were kids no, you know, I I spent half my career before I burned out working 60 or 70 hours a week as an executive. And for what? Um, You know, I don't know. And so I think about the wisdom I see of these kids, right? And so sometimes I hear people saying, these kids are lazy. They don't want to work. Well, no, they're just a little smarter than we were, right? They know how to set boundaries. They know how to nurture their personal life. They know how to make healthy relationships. Um, They're doing things that we didn't do um that we didn't understand and so when i think about burnout i think about how do we bring the next generations onto the farm how do we bring them on Um, understanding that farming and ranching you don't get to set boundaries sometimes right when it's time to plant you plant and when it's time to harvest you harvest and when it's time that the cows need you um you you're there um and so there's a there's a shift that we have to create, right? We have to figure out how do we make these things manageable and that's not all gonna be done through technology. Technology is making leaps and strides Mm -hmm. in agricultural sectors of how we do things differently. Um, But we have a very real workforce issue, right? And so we have to grapple with some of these things of how do we evolve um, moving forward.
0: Yeah, I, gosh, I'm, my mind is going in different directions right now. And where we really wanted to get the conversation to go, um, first, you know, a loop around back to communication because I feel like the burnout, the transition, we there's a lot there to communicate. Obviously, the you talked about the younger generation having a better sense of boundaries; they communicate that a little bit more. I And having that balance, I think, between working so much and then that fun, personal life, how does communication play a role in how to, I guess, state what the burnout is or how to set those boundaries, depending on what side you're on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, every part of communication, it takes someone to say it and someone to hear it. Um, And so oftentimes we're not working in both, we're we're not, we're not, we're not willing to either hear what's being said to us or, or we're not willing to communicate in a way that's healthy Mm -hmm. um, to, to the other party. And so, you know, people call me all the time. Um, I do, I do some, I do, I I talk for Farm Bureau sometimes around succession planning. And so I've been, I've been working with someone now for six months of how to talk to their brother about what's going to happen to the farm. Right. And he still hasn't sent the letter. Um, you know, and so we're working on, you know, what, what, how are we going to communicate your needs and wants and fears and hopes to your family? Mm -hmm. He's seen his family at Christmas, Thanksgiving, all the other holidays, right? But there's things we just can't talk about. Um, you know, and I think that happens in families, it happens in workplaces. Um, and so we need to evaluate how do we create emotionally healthy space so we can communicate. And so it sounds easier than it is. Right. Because we've all been in that family situation where there's there's the this maybe it's just my family, but there's skeletons in my family's closet, right? Like there's stuff. Um, and so you know stuff that
0: sometimes we don't know about that been carried on through generations.
1: Right. Right. If we don't even know why it's there anymore, but we were told you can't ever talk to that side of the family, no matter how far into the future it is, right? It could be a hundred years back so-and-so did something to someone else and we're still holding that grudge
0: we don't know what it is we have absolutely you know no date time reference what was it but darn it we have to keep that grudge we can't talk to them that does not create a great environment for succession planning for sure um And other things for family gatherings, maybe we just don't see that side of the family, but (laughs) the communication on the um, emotionally healthy space. So when I think about that, I think about, you know, that six months and haven't still haven't, you know, talked to that person, hard conversations are difficult. You know, first, I feel like the person that has to state it has to be in that emotionally healthy space and are often scared for the lack of the better word of how the other person's going to respond. So communication takes two, but one has to initiate it. And how do we say it in a, in a good, healthy way?
1: Yeah. And you've just defined the challenge of farmers and ranchers because so oftentimes it's our family members that are our business partners, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is unique to what we do because we have that family emotion stuff, that makes it more difficult to communicate, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can use my own kids as an example, right? If someone else tells them to do something, they're fantastic and wonderful and giving, right? If I ask them to go scoop the sidewalk, uh, I'll get to it, dad, whenever, right? There's a difference in the relationship, right? And so this is something that none of us were prepared for when our businesses over the last 20 years became multi-million-dollar operations, right? Mm-hmm. The price, the values, everything has gone up. Um and so as we think about now the average value of a family farm, which is actually a corporation, a mm-hmm. large scale business. Um, and to treat that business and run it like a business, many people aren't were never educated, taught, or learned business principles to apply to that. And then your business partners, you don't get to choose, right? They they're your family members. Um, and so you know, we, I say that tongue in cheek, but I live that every day, right? I yeah. own business with my wife, my sister, and my brother-in-law, right? Yeah. We're the managing entity. And so we have we have to go have a business meeting once a year, right? We have an off-site um, annual meeting where we go over the nuts and the bolts, the down and the dirty, and we take a vote on if we're going to do this again um, for another year, right? Um, and it's very formal, right? Right. Because we have to do that as a business. And that's really difficult for some folks. And so that starts to set the stage for how do you communicate? um, And how do you start to get your emotions in check? So you can have those conversations in a way that that you can be heard that isn't full of the emotion.
0: And and you bring out such a good point because you have, you have the, I guess, I would say a great benefit to having like, say your sister and your brother-in-law, like for myself, it's my husband and I, Yeah. (laughs) And so we can have that annual meeting like anytime. We talk all the time, right? But it's that formality of we have to treat this as a business. And if this is which it is a multi-million dollar, you know, business at these days, you I don't think you can farm without it being that. And you actually have to do things a little bit differently incorporating more of a business mindset, the corporation mindset, the annual shareholder meetings and all of that. But that's not something that any of our families probably demonstrated modeled for us because it was more of I don't it's not really a hobby farm, but the dollar amount <laughs> was way less than. So how do people get these
1: skills? of running a business absolutely and and i would say that most farmers grandpa and great grandpa they ran a really good business because it did. wouldn't have gone on for you know mine's fifth generation right. so they knew how to run a business they knew how to make decisions they knew how to pivot if they saw a problem in the market and needed to go um you know in a different direction and so um you know i i would challenge that i, I think farmers have this by necessity always had to have been very good at business very good at marketing grain very good at looking at at the at the cattle futures you know whatever whatever market you're looking at um farmers kind of have to be generalists they have to know all of these different things and then you know figure it out with the tax man at the end of the year um because there's so many implications there right that's been going on for decades and decades as well right, and so right. So a lot of those business principles have been there. Um, We just haven't adopted um some of the things that corporate America has done that's more rigid and standardized, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would yeah. say your, your meetings with your husband, you should have 15 minutes every Monday where you talk business. And then that doesn't enter into the relationship the rest of the week, right? Because you need to have a formal set-aside time. I didn't right. come here to do family counseling, but I'm just going to let you know. Right. <laughs>
0: Exactly. And, you know, sometimes I feel very blessed to be in that counselor mental health position um, throughout my life. I felt like uh, that, that played a good role for me to be able to manage, okay, this is a business meeting. This isn't a personal meeting. You know, how to say, hey, can we talk about that at another time? Because that was not the time or place uh, having those kind of conversations, but you're right. I mean, you, we wouldn't have, you haven't, you wouldn't, your family had, wouldn't have been in that fifth generation. You wouldn't be in that fifth generation role without having, you know, a great business model. It doesn't have to be as rigid as the corporate. But we do have to realize that there are those business aspects we we don't even realize they are business aspects. They're just part of what we do. So that's absolutely correct. And but it's all about the conversation. So you also touched about technology and and farming is so much different than it was decades ago with the upscale of the technology, either. You yeah, know, I remember when we started, we started with cabless tractor. It was a five couple 560s. And that's what my husband's dad had. And that's what we started farming with. We have one left just for fun. And but cabs, oh my gosh, what a transition. Now we have pivots instead of gravity-fed irrigation. All of the technologies we can do shutoffs, we can go on and on about the technology. But how how has that somewhat helped us, but also maybe kind of made it a little more difficult?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I think it's made it harder because unfortunately we're very rigid, right? Farmers do what they've always done, you know, Mm -hmm. and and so, you know, in my situation, we, we do things really differently, um, you know, and so my brother and I are probably pretty progressive in some of the things we did. So, you know, just give an example. Last spring, um, you know, we like to follow science. We do tons of stuff around soil nutrient management. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did some intercropping, which basically means we planted corn and soybeans at the same time in you know, six row strips across the field. We did an 80 acre trial. And literally, I had people stopping on the road when it was midseason saying, were you guys drunk when you planted? (laughs) Like, did you mean for that to look like that? Right. Because it's so different. Right. Um, You know, and so you have to be able to put yourself out there because farmers like they look at your neighbors and they look across the fence and they go, what's that? going on over there, mm-hmm. right? And so we're, we're kind of always putting ourselves out there. And so to push the status quo, sometimes be really challenging because there's a lot of pushback to keep things the same, um, to not be innovative. Um, and we live in a time in agriculture when there's so much innovation, right? Things are mm-hmm. changing so rapidly. Um, the way we do this, the way we follow the science, um, we have a lot of choices today. And so I think technology is just part of that, right? I I still have a, a John Deere A and a 4020 um, still sits on the auger, right? Um, but, you know, I spend more time waiting for GPS signals and for software to boot up than I do <laughs> doing mechanical work, right? You know, right. It's, it's I, no, the- no,
0: I get it because <laughs> I, I don't literally do the production side of the farm. I take care of the books, but I hear all the time as it's like, yes, I've been sitting here for 20 minutes waiting for it to connect. Yep. Yeah. And And it's great when it works.
1: Absolutely. Um, But I don't think we could go without it today. You know, and and I go back to, you know, I I listened to your episode about setting goals, right? And it it made me think about setting yield goals, right? We set goals all the time as Mm -hmm. farmers. And part of what makes farmers more resilient, to take us back to earlier in the conversation, Mm -hmm. is that we set goals and oftentimes we don't make our goals. But that's a success, right? Because I set really high yield goals every year. Unlike you, though, I have to wait for it to rain, right? I don't have pivots. I can't control the one thing I really want to control, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm also still limited with the water that we can put on. So I know, but all the high yield farmers will tell you, you got to have a pivot. Yes, Um, yes. And and so, you know, I, I think about that and I think about we've gotten to be tough and resilient, you know, as farmers and in agriculture, because sometimes we miss our goals, right? Mm-hmm. But that's that's not, it's, it's a loss that we take in stride, right? Because if we don't set goals and we don't miss them, then we're never going to come back and try to do it better the following year, right? And I think right. that's something that we could teach other people, because so oftentimes people are so so rejected if they don't make their goals. I'm all about failing all of the time. It was probably, it wasn't until midlife I learned that failure is fantastic. I love to fail because it's the experience. I want right. the experience to learn from it.
0: I think, I think it does take until midlife because I recently have a, you know, failure to me is the first attempt in, in trying and learning that often results in, you know, needing some help. So yeah, it's, it's like, why can't we teach kids that it's okay to fail? Because that's how we learn. I don't know, I'm still working on that one. But the resilience piece, because you're right, a lot of us are afraid to set goals because we are afraid to fail at them or or not meet them for some reason. But there's many of us that set goals, farmers, they have, they have an income goal, they have a break even point they wanna hit. And guess what? They don't have any control over that usually the right. the the markets dictate that I can't go to the elevator and say hey I need six dollar corn today uh, they're not going to give it to me uh, especially if it's you know under four so that's a part that and farmers like you said it was like oh I need rain today nope if I have a pivot maybe if I have enough water right. or if my electricity works or things like that but they're very resilient because they're learning in order to go somewhere we do have to re- to make a goal. And then we learn on the, pro- in the process of achieving that or in the process of not quite achieving it. But if we don't set one, we're not going to go
1: very far. Right. So, and if we don't set it high enough, we're not going to push ourselves hard enough oh, to yeah, really we, do more. Yeah, we can
0: set a goal. Like my, habit, I have a minimum goal. I'm going to exercise 10 to 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Right. And if I've done that for years and years and years, I'm not going to, like, my health isn't going to improve because I'm not stretching myself. So what is your take on setting more, like, impossible goals or stretch goals or things that are, like, a little bit beyond our comfort
1: zone? I love it, right? Because that's the only way that's going to press us to innovation um, and to really do things differently, right? And so whether I'm on the farm or in my personal life, I love to set those big audacious goals that maybe aren't achievable right? Because if I don't ever send them, I'm never going to get there. Um, You know, I'm writing grants this week, which is the worst part of being a consultant, right? I'm writing RFPs, big statewide things, right? And sometimes I'm writing those and I'm like, we aren't a big enough company to get this or we can't do this. I'm like, you know what? And and I remember what I told, I've told my business partners, I've told Renee this a million times, I'm like, we'll never get the grant we don't write. Mm -hmm. We'll never get the one that we don't respond to and we don't try to get. Um, And so, you know, I just embraced that. Mm -hmm. um in, in everything that i do
0: yeah that that's a good mindset for a lot of people to have too is you're not going to hit any target unless you go for it and the ones actually that are stretching and feel a little bit impossible per se i feel like are the most exciting ones
1: i'll give you an example um i have a zero in my birthday this year it's coming up quickly um, and so last year on spring break, our family goes with my best friend and his family. And so last year we went to a, a nice sunny place and we went spearfishing. And so we're all from Iowa, right? So we don't practice like how to dive down, how to hold our breath for a minute and 20 seconds, right? 20 feet underwater in saltwater, right? I don't have a saltwater lake that's perfectly clear, but I can go out right now and practice doing that, right? I didn't spear a single fish, Right. Now, was that a complete failure? Absolutely, right? We paid a guide, like everything we could do, right? But guess what? I had the best experience failing at spear fishing, right? There's nothing better than a snorkel on the reef. I can blame it was a bad reef. I can blame all of these things, right? And I'm gonna go back on spring break this year and I'm gonna fail again, probably, right? But the goal is to go and do it. And the goal is to go have that experience, right? Now, it's gonna be way cooler story if I come back and say, look at this great fish I speared, right? Absolutely. I want the picture so bad, but I'm tempering that with at my age, just to get underwater 20 feet and hold my breath for 10 seconds is probably going to be the win because that's just the reality of it, right? I'm going into a completely different environment. That's okay. Set a goal. And even if you fail, it's about the journey and the experience. It has nothing to do with catching a fish.
0: Right. Right. And if we can just look at the big picture of it, and look at the fun that we're having with it about trying something new instead of always focusing on the outcome right i think we would have a little bit better mental health in a lot of different ways and actually we would probably go out and try new things more often
1: absolutely and, you know and it, it's clouded because you know when i do that it's not going to be about the Facebook picture or the Insta picture or the TikTok I'm going to make about it, right? My kids are huge about this. They limited me many years ago. There's a dad, quit taking selfies. I refuse to be in another selfie with you, which, you know, I kind of need content sometimes. So it's a real struggle. Um, But my kids, they're, they're 18 and 20 now. And they're like, we don't care about that. Put away your phone. Let's just enjoy the moment, which again, I can learn something from my kids, right?
0: Right. Right. They they do. You know, it's funny, but they are sharing probably some of the wisdom that we may have thrown back, you know, thrown at them in years past. And they're recycling it in just a little bit different way.
1: It doesn't mean others, I like it.
0: Yeah, I, I, no. Because <laughs> I get that from my kids too. And I got a span of them. So it's, you know, it's interesting from both ends, but uh, they 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 do learn a little bit from us and we do need to learn from them. So, And I've learned a lot. So, right. And do you have a couple tips on, you know, how to manage some of that goal setting or changing our mindset in order to stretch ourselves to make more ambitious or audacious goals?
1: Well, we have to write them down, right? If it's not written and we don't reflect back on it, it never happens. And so the number one thing that we can do is write it down hang it up and come back to it right we need to we need to re- review them at a minimum once every 3 months and check our progress right we have to we have to have a measurable right we we need to be measuring toward our progress right i just don't set a yield goal like you know right now i'm I, you know we're we're figuring out how much acres of corn and soybeans what do we have ordered what's our nutrient management program going to be we're going to hit this goal no, I got to do a lot of stuff to reach my goal. I got to make sure I have six applications of so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. Mm-hmm. I've got to make sure I'm I'm taking leaf samples every week so that I can see, am I going to have the nutrients I need to meet that yield goal, right? There's a whole lot of work from getting to point A to point B. And if we're not holding ourselves accountable and we're not checking in and we're not measuring our progress the whole way, it doesn't matter what your goal is, you're never even going to come close.
0: Oh, Yeah. And and sometimes we have to remember why we wrote that goal in the first place. One is to write it down and review view it often and, and check to see if our progress is, is making that goal happen. Sometimes we forget why we even wanted the goal and begin with. And that could even be a more motivating factor than how oh, that yield goal or any goal that we might have, a fitness or a health goal, those tend to be great this time of the year, but the why? Why? Why do you want a nice yield goal?
1: Well, it could have been the wrong goal because maybe I really just want to make sure I cover my costs, right? <laughs> and I make some money, right? Because right. if I, if if corn's only three ninety five next year, then I need a whole lot more of it, um, right? So you know, why am I making the yield goal? And is it the right goal, or is or is my goal really something else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so partly, you know, it's it's going to depend on what it is I'm trying to do, and maybe midway through I realize I made the wrong goal. I need to change it up. And this is really my goal. And so I'm going to move it to this.
0: And and that's a great point because sometimes we make goals and we think we have to stick with it, even if it's not the right goal later, because we made the, the best decision we could at the time with the information that we had. But then you start working towards it and you realize maybe I need to shift a little bit. It's not exactly what it is. And in order for it to be what I want, Maybe the why is different, or there's a different variable in there, and that's what I should be focusing on. So thank you for that. All right. As we wrap up today, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find you?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can find me on any of the social media sites, but probably go to my website, Rural Policy Partners um you know and and what we do there is is public speaking um and consulting a lot of systems work right i feel mm-hmm. like my impact can be made um, in in helping to transform systems and legislation, and so you know, you'll often find me doing that. Really, what most people would say is really boring, detailed stuff, right? But when I'm not doing that. I love to do public speaking and talk to people, just like this, mm-hmm. um, because I think we can make these conversations and issues real, and we can talk about some really difficult things, but do it in a way that it doesn't have to be painful.
0: That's right. That's right. And I also want to bring up, we've we've mentioned Renee a couple of times, Renee Schulte, you are co-hosting the Stepping In It podcast with her, which is a weekly discussion on the latest news and trends in behavioral health with practical tips and resources for improving the quality and access to behavioral health care. So if you liked some of Jason's thoughts on today's show, just check out him and Renee have a great conversation about various topics in, in behavioral health. I know recently you've done goal setting and achieving and decluttering, and we could spend a whole nother hour on decluttering as we talked a little bit before we started this about how we're decluttering our you know, farm and our house and all those fun things. But I will put the links to how to get a hold of Jason in the show notes. And so as we wrap up, so is there one thought or quote that you would like to leave the listeners with today?
1: You know, absolutely. You told me to prepare for this and guess (laughs) what? I didn't do it. Um, So spontaneously, I think, I think the quote that I would say would be, go for it. No matter what it is, um, what you want to do, don't talk yourself out of it. Um, So oftentimes, in the work I do as a consultant, the work that I I do, um, you know, across the different states I work in, is we hold ourselves back. Um, And when we stop holding ourselves back and we make those huge goals that we think are unreachable, we never know what we're capable of unless we set ourselves free to do that. So go for it.
0: Awesome. So everyone this week, find one little mini goal. That's part of a bigger goal and just go for it. Go make that hard conversation. Go write a letter to your brother or something that needs to have a conversation about a succession planning, whatever it is, just go for it. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for joining me, Jason. It's been a wonderful conversation and hope to see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you found some value insights and something that resonated with you in today's show. If today's show spoke to you, would you please share it with a friend and go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening from and subscribe to the show so that you can be the first to know when new content and episodes go live while you're there. Would you please give it some love? Please like it, comment on it and leave a five-star rating and review. Thank you so much in advance for taking two minutes of your time to do this. Your likes, comments, and reviews really help get the word out to more people who need to hear there are positive solutions for their life. I would love to connect with you. You can find me on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, whichever is your favorite platform. And let's have a conversation about today's show. Thanks for listening and have a great week.